get us started this week. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. I'm your co-host, Thomas Dempsey. And I'm your co-host, Elizabeth Connor. And we're going to hit the ground running with this episode. Elizabeth, what have you been up to in the interim? Uh... (laughs) Well, I'll go. Okay, Okay. you go first. Right. So, uh, we usually like to start off these episodes just talking about what uh, non-reading activities we've been up to. And I've had... uh, I've had a handful. I've been... um, Getting in a lot of uh, Magic the Gathering Arena as of late. Been on sort of a hot streak with that. And uh, it's one of those games where the more you win, the more you can play. Mm-hmm. In terms of it's like rewards systems. So uh been um, getting in on that today. That's probably been most of what I've been doing today. Uh, par- excepting, of course, when uh, we took a couple hours out to uh, install a new gasket on the washing machine. Mm-hmm. You uh, have you ever done this? Uh, it's this thin filter at the bottom of the washing machine door that you have to pull out with like needle nose pliers. I've never done that. Yeah, well, you you might not have lived in any one place long enough to necessitate it, but True. Uh, we um, it, it's funny. It, usually, they advocate you doing it when you start noticing like leaks or something. I think mom was mainly just concerned with like a bit of grime buildup she noticed around that area. So Mm -hmm. she put in an order for it through the mail and we got into installing it today. Getting the part itself in was a little janky but not that difficult because all the instructional videos we saw had the filter as this long straight uh, piece of plastic Mm -hmm. and it arrived in the mail like rolled up and so... Uh, whenever we went to install it, it would have like uh, folds and wrinkles in it Mm -hmm. that uh, didn't really let it uh, sit flush with the slot. But um, we're trusting that it's okay to use. Like, I'm not really sure what all could go wrong, basically. But uh, the big problem, though, was when we... Uh, took the front panel off the uh, dishwasher door the the thing that covers up all like the internal wiring for the uh, console mm-hmm. and had to try putting that back on that thing is not designed for easy on and off access it's mm-hmm. like we unscrewed the support bolts popped it off for the life of us could not figure out how it was supposed to pop back on it's like, really, you just have to hold the whole thing in place with the door open, screwing it in from the inside, and it was just a big hassle. I, You wouldn't think you could work up a sweat, like, placing a filter in a dishwasher, but I got there. Yeah. And, uh, of course, it's another problem because we were dealing with uh, fuse box issues in terms of working with it. Uh, I think uh, a lot of sites... at Uh, advocated you turn the power off when you're installing something like that just to be safe and that necessitated turning the lights in the kitchen off basically and so you know just sort of fiddling around in the dark more or less because it's 
in addition to just being a dark room, it's been a pretty dark day weather-wise. Right. Yeah, did y'all get some rain today? Yes. All right. Past couple yeah, days. Yeah, no, so that's so that was a bit of a hassle there. But uh, I think me starting to talk about the weather is a good cue to kick it over to you. What you been up to? Um, the last episode we recorded was before Memorial Day, right? Yes, it was the Saturday before, I want to say. No, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. It was a week before before. Memorial Day. Okay. Um, So school's been going well. We're winding things down, and I'm starting to get to that point of the year where, like, you know, um, like I'm seeing kids for, like, the last time this school year. Um, Yeah, so because of the way that my schedule is set up at my home school, like I've had to say au revoir to let my week C kids because we won't have a week C before again before school's out. Um, okay. So, and then the next two Fridays are e-learning days, so I'm not gonna see my Friday kids at my preschool. Right. So that's kind of like where we're getting down to. We're just getting down to the, you know the last time I'm going to see kids and stuff. And, um, <laughs> and now it's just like, and I guess every teacher feels this way. Cause it's like, it gets down to like the last two, three weeks of school. And then it's like, Oh, by the way, you've got to do 11 million things. Uh, yeah. Sounds um, like an anxiety dream waiting to happen. Oh yeah. So like we had a faculty meeting and they gave us a packet <laughs> They yes. gave us a packet of checkout protocols. Oh boy! I mean, like some, like a lot of them don't apply to me because I'm not like a normal, regular classroom teacher. Um, right. But it it's still just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then, like, you've got to have technology checks, and the kids have to have technology checks. And so that basically means like the, the librarian who is like the automatic technology person at your school, she has to like, just lay eyes on your iPad and make sure that it's like not broken, you know, beyond repair. Okay. Because, um, I mean the teachers always do, but this year, like the kids are taking their iPads home for the summer. Right. So, yeah. So there's that. Um, Actually, we came to see y'all. Yeah. There was a visit. We did have a nice little family get together last weekend. We did. We drove down on Sunday, stayed for lunch Monday, and then went home. I tell you, though, that really monked with my, like, internal clock. Yeah. Just having y'all over that day. Because, like, even with, like, going into work on Monday, it was a short day because... You know, obviously, Memorial Day is going to be slow business for a bunch of different kinds of restaurants and what have you. So I wound up getting off a couple hours before I normally do and, uh, like, getting back in time to help cook dinner and go run some errands and eat with y'all. Yeah, it really just took away the sensation of it being a weekday. Right. 
yeah, yeah. I'm not going to lie. It monked with me, too, because, like, I'm so used to coming to visit, like, on the weekend. So the fact that we came, like, Sunday to Monday instead of Saturday to Sunday, like, just totally messed me up all week. Oh, yeah. So we did I'm that. Set. And then Wednesday was testing, so, like, I had a weird schedule at school. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the rest of my week was, like, normal, fine. Well, that's good. Uh, You've been, uh, uh, watching anything, reading, doing anything else? Oh, yeah, I've been doing a lot of reading. Um, oh, oh, yeah, all right. Well, let's, uh... <laughs> and- well, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I have a little bit of a reading hangover right now. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. Well, um, watching anything? Uh, you know, Brian and I did watch um, Doctor Sleep the other night. Oh, I've heard that's good. How was it? It was. It was good. The movie was really good. Um, Ewan McGregor plays Danny. I thought he did a great job. Yeah. Um, Can I ask, was this the uh, the director's cut? I don't know. It's whatever. It's whatever the one is on HBO Max. Okay, because I hear tell there was like a like two plus hour director's cut that uh, supposedly was a lot more um, like faith, either faithful to the book or much more like like interesting in terms. What uh, most people saw. Okay. But if you're I, saying it was good, then yeah, I've, I've been wanting to check it out. Yeah, it was good. Um, I feel like, I feel like the book would have explained, or you know, did explain a lot more things. I actually, I have not read Doctor Sleep, but Brian has. Um, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, that obviously the movie left out a lot of details. It left out a lot of subplots, which is ex- which is you know normal to be expected. Right. Um, oh, the, not this past week, but the week before we watched Army of the Dead on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. You told me about that. Yeah. That, it was a good movie. Like it's a good action movie. It's not going to win any awards. The writing is not like superb, but. Well, you know, that's like the new Zack Snyder film. Yeah. That's like the thing he did after the reshoots for the. DC uh, extended version of um, Justice League. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, anyway, but it was it was fun. It was a fun movie to watch. Yeah, that is that sounds good. Uh, in terms of watching, uh, probably the biggest thing was. Uh, do you know who Bo Burnham is? And it sounds familiar. Yeah. Well, he got his start on YouTube actually, and then sort of parlayed that into his, like fair bit of success as a uh, musical comedian Uh uh-huh and um his last stand-up special was back in 2016 and he hasn't exactly like gone into hiding or anything because like in the time since he was like the co-star of that movie promising young woman that came out last year oh he directed his own he directed his own feature film called eighth grade that uh, got a lot of praise a couple years back. Mm-hmm. But uh, at any rate, he hasn't been doing comedy. And uh, he re- just released a uh, new special on Netflix that is entirely... Sh- that was written and shot 
entirely by him, entirely over the course of quarantine. Oh, okay. And it all takes place in the same room. So, I mean, obviously, the framing device of the special is that he's holed up in this place working on it. But, you know, you get, I mean, you don't, I don't think he was like just like locked up cut off from the world but uh he does go into a lot of like the sort of the psychological impact of that kind of isolation and just the general headspace of what the last year's been for everybody Mm-hmm. yeah so i think it, it's definitely gets a recommendation for me of and his skill as a songwriter it's is enough to recommend it as well because he's just got like a good grasp of like style and lyricism right yeah so uh, i i'd be down for watching it again okay but uh yeah and um uh speaking of music uh, i picked up a new album the other day on vinyl it's the first time i've done this in a while picking up an album the day it drops Uh uh-huh and i hadn't really even heard much of it before the day i just sort of was browsing uh, music on Spotify looking for what looked good and found this album that had pretty much gotten like universal rave reviews. It's called uh, Blue Weekend by Wolf Alice. Mm-hmm. They're this uh, British rock band that uh, apparently have been around for a fair bit. And uh, this album, Blue Weekend, is just like so good. It's one of those... It's the kind of album where after you buy it, or after you start listening to it, you just sort of have it on repeat, like, in the background for, like, all day. Mm-hmm. And I can't really remember the last album I did that with, but it was... Anyway, if that sounds like it covers all the bases for what we've been up to, you want to get into book talk? Sure, let's get into book talk. All right. Well, you've got a challenge to talk about this week, but before we get around to that, is there anything else... You've been reading? Yeah, um, I found a, a romance series that I read all of, and then I, I started another romance series. It's also like science fiction fantasy. And oh. then I completed the challenge. So like I re- I've, read a, I've read 11 books in two weeks. Nice. Can I ask when you started reading books for the challenge? Uh... Like last weekend. Okay, <laughs> I was I wasn't gonna presume it was like three days before now, but uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so what are some of these romance books you've been reading? Um, so it's about there's five of them, and it's okay. about the Slade brothers. So it's set up like Bridgerton, where and like a whole bunch of other romance series where each book is about a different brother. Um, and that brother, like, meeting their soulmate and falling in love and all that stuff. Um, now, this book does kind of, it does, like, kind of have a little bit of a twist on it. Because, like, you've got these five brothers. Um, their mom passed away when the oldest one was, like, 15, I want to say. Okay. And, and, you know, so... When the oldest one was 15, like, the youngest one was a baby. Right. Um, That's That that tracks pretty well with the Bridgerton comparison. Yeah. 
So you've got like, you know, the older brothers, like they remember their mom. They remember how like wonderful and loving she was. And then you've got like the younger kids who either don't remember her at all or like only kind of remember her. Um, But basically after she died, like their dad turned into an alcoholic workaholic. Okay. So like he was never there. Um, Just kind of less than a stellar parent. Sure. And so, because of that, they've all got, like, relationship issues. And um, they're all millionaires, billionaires, because their fa- their grandfather opened a brewery where in their town in Colorado. And it's, like, the second biggest... Uh, it's, like, the brewery with, like, the second largest distribution in the whole country. Oh, so it's, like, the, like the fictional version of, like, Coors... Or uh, whatever the other one is. Pretty much. Um, Okay. So, like, you know, they don't have to worry about money, but, like, they still live as, like, normal people. Okay. Um, Do the books have, like, beer-themed, like, pun titles? No. Oh, boo. I know, I know. And, and, but you know what? That's not the only, that's not the only disappointing part of the book. I mean, all the books were good. And, and some of the books in the middle, um, they dealt with some really important, uh, they dealt with like some really important themes and they just dealt with some really important issues. So like the book that's like dead set in the middle, um, is about like the, you know, the brother is Clay, and the girl is Autumn, maybe, I think that's her name. And, like, she's okay. on the run from an abusive husband. She's trying to get a divorce. And it reflects back on her, like, marriage and um, and how she, you know... And it, and it recounts some of the scenes um, of her abuse. And, you know, she was hit. She was verbally abused. She, she experienced marital rape. Um... And so those were like painful scenes to read, but they were, they did a lot for the character development. And I feel like that book is the strongest in terms of developing the one, the female character. Um, The last book in the series also does a really good job. That's the one about the youngest son um, or the youngest brother. His name's Hudson. And he, Meets and falls in love with a girl who is his best friend from high schools or from like elementary, middle school. Um, it's his sister. And her name's okay. Devin. And like after they moved away from this town, their father died. Their mom was like lost in grief and stopped being a mom, basically. And so the girl just like, she was just crying out for attention. So it, it talks about like the bad decisions that she made as a 13 and 14 like like basically 13 and up like she just made some really terrible decisions um like she had to go to like juvie and all this stuff and that's another book that does a really good job with the with the female character development so i mean like overall it's a good book um i think the biggest weak part is the author tried to work in the subplot of like a secret half brother Ah. And, like, it was very well established in the first book. And then, okay. and then it's like she forgot about it, but then she would remember right. that she forgot about it. So then she'd, like, uh, write a chapter, like, oh, yeah, here's this. Okay. Like, it, anyway, it just, like, that was a very, 
Like, that was a point of what I... That was just a point of, like, weak storytelling to me. Sure. Um, Okay. So I read those five books. The other book that I read and was the first one in the series... Oh, goodness. What was it called? I'm not so great with, like, titles, but I can remember what they're about. Oh, it was called Viper, and it was the first book in the Naga Brides series. So... Okay. So what happened? Like so, a snake person, right? Yeah, it's a snake person. <laughs> yeah. So I play Magic the Gathering. I know what a naga is. Okay. So I didn't know what a naga was until I read this book, or excuse me, until right. I saw the Facebook ad for it. Um, okay. Because that's how I find like, you know, like kind of like I kind of want that to be like a, like its own separate podcast or like a separate blog or something, like. I don't know. I have to think of like romance a good novels advertised on Facebook. Yeah, but it's like bad romance, and so it's like I read the bad romance books so that you don't have to. Okay. Well, I'm. I mean, but it's you, not you're probably bad. Jumping into into active waters there, but um, yeah, I'd I'd be down for that. Yeah. So, but the book's not bad. Um, it's just kind of weird <laughs> because right, it's about snake people and yeah. And it's and it takes place in guess what a dystopian future, where oh, no. <laughs> oh things is rough for the snake people. Things is rough for the snake people. Well, because the snake people didn't come around until like after humanity was dead. Oh, well, so we're not really. I guess if you're gonna do it, like the snake people, like they don't know where they came from. The okay. the humans that. Our other characters in the book, they don't know where they came from. Although towards the end of the book, like the the, the female protagonist has a pretty good idea where they may sure. have came from. So right. basically what happened is in the future, like Earth <laughs> is actually co-inhabited by both humans and a species of like lizard people called the Lurkers. Right. Or that's what they call them. And then... And so it was very much like, it was like a give and take relationship. Like the lurkers would provide technology and the humans would provide their planet. Um, Well, then like basically the the relationship became unbalanced and the humans were like, well, we want you to do this one last thing for us and then we want you to go. So the the lizard people were like, okay, sure, we'll do that. And then they just like destroy the planet. Uh. Like got on their ships set forth a plague and destroyed the whole planet. Um, okay. And the only people that were like the only humans that were, that survived were the ones that were like in space. Okay. So the humans that are in space are fighting a war with like a species of blob beings. Okay. That like can't be hurt by weapons, like traditional weapons because bullets yeah. and lasers and stuff just go straight through them because they're, because it's like slime. They're slime. Yes. Um, and so they come back to Earth because they're like, okay, like it's been like 1,500 years since Earth was destroyed by the lurkers. So they're like, okay, we're going to come back to Earth and we're going to see if we can find this technology to see if it can help us in this war. And then that's when the Nagas see the spaceships and they're like, you are invading our home. But then they see the women, and see, that's the other thing. There's no Naga females. Oh. Because the Naga females, um, 
if they become pregnant or once they're going through their gestation cycle, they don't survive it. Okay. So basically like the females are like, we don't want to take on mates. We don't want to procreate because that means that we will die. So all the females what? like left. Oh, and they spaceships. No, they, they, they just went to a different part of earth and, but they went like super far away and the Naga male and like the Nagas that are like in the story, they don't know where they are because they didn't fall. They they chose not to follow them. Um, right. And this is sounding pretty complicated. It is kind of complicated. And so then anyway, the, the, the way that the, the Naga protagonist and the female human protagonist, like the way that they like meet up and get together is because is because the Nagas basically tell the humans like, we'll give you technology if you give us women. Okay. <laughs> so that's what happens. And then Oof. because, and so they're given like two, two women, two human women. And there's like, I don't know, 18 Naga men. And so they're like, well, how are we going to decide who gets who? Or how are we going to decide? And they were like, we're going to hunt them. (laughs) Oh, no. So basically, they let the women loose into the woods. And whoever catches them first gets to keep them. Okay. Sounds romantic. (laughs) It's it's so romantic. But anyway. Is this the... Can you say this is the first in a series? This is the first in the series. Um, there is, the and I think games. there's only one other one. <sighs> but, okay. so, th- that's what it is. Um, the killer pigs are kind of fun. Okay. Because, you know, the pigs that are still on Earth have, like, mutated, and now they're killer pigs. Oh, right. So, okay. that was that was the other book that I read. Alrighty, well, uh, we're not gonna have, we're gonna not gonna need much time to talk about what I've been reading because I've basically just been catching up on some of the books that were a part of your challenge, mm-hmm. and and the other stuff I've been reading I haven't finished yet, so we'll be uh, holding off on that. But uh, book wise, I have been um, getting into some uh, relevant uh, stuff. Uh, Last weekend, like you said, was uh, Memorial Day, and this such was occasioned for various uh, sales and stuff deals at stores. So I got a uh, coupon for Barnes and Noble. Second and Charles was doing like 20% off on uh, various purchases. So I took this as an opportunity to pick up some stuff and. Uh, most specifically were a pair of art books for uh, uh, Studio Ghibli films mm-hmm. that were both published by uh, Viz Media, who is like basically the game in uh, manga publishing, mm-hmm. but who also do like other sort of like art and culture sort of publications like these art books. And they've got another book that they've published recently that I picked up called Ask Iwata. Mm-hmm. which is a um, collection of essays by the former uh, deceased CEO of Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm looking forward to reading into that. But, um, yeah, for those who don't know, Viz Media is basically... There's this tweet by this um, independent comic publisher named Iron Spike. 
You can find him on YouTube, uh, on Twitter at uh, Iron underscore Spike. There's this tweet that they posted a while back that has sort of stuck with me in that uh, traditionally speaking in comics, the big two, uh, as they came to be known, were Marvel and DC. Whereas mm-hmm. nowadays, the big two are Scholastic and Viz, which, um, you know, Scholastic from the Scholastic Book Fair. Mm-hmm. They've uh, basically taken over the young readers' comic market in America, which is, like, easily the largest, like, block. Like, every, like you remember all those Captain Underpants books I used to read? Yep. Yeah, there's, like, millions of those. And Scholastic publishes almost all of them. And that's not even including, like, like young adult comics that they have the rights to and uh, get in on. Whereas Viz is basically the one to beat where manga publishing is concerned. They have the rights for Shonen Jump. So basically every big name uh, series in manga, like Naruto and... Uh, uh, Dragon Ball and etc. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a Viz property, and uh, so, but um, yeah. So a lot of uh, the manga I wind up buying and following regularly is put out by Viz. They do a pretty good job with like physical media as well because they specialize in like deluxe paperback and specialty hardback editions of various series. Mm-hmm. And uh, that those are good just from a like collector's standpoint. Yeah, so that's sort of where my money's been going as of late. Okay. And uh, that basically does it for me. Uh, now we're all primed and ready to go into talking about our challenge for this week. But before we do that, how about we take a quick break? All right, sounds good. And we're back to Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. We just got done with everything else. Now it's time to get into the reading challenge. Elizabeth, do you want to tell us what your reading challenge was for this episode? So, um, my reading challenge was to read the six books in the Murderbot series by Martha Wells. Right. And uh, I guess right up front, can you tell us whether or not you met that challenge? I did, yes. All right, we've got all six books read between us. That we do. And that's, I'm not going to lie, that's why uh, I have my book hangover. Okay, well, uh, I guess secondary to that uh, is the question, what did you think? (laughs) Um, Oh, oh, that pause. No, 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 no. It's, it's, sorry. No, that wasn't supposed to be any kind of, um, no, I actually really enjoyed the series. Like I kept sitting here, like I kept, like I was sitting there and I was reading it and I was like, would this make a better TV show or like movie? (laughs) Okay. A better TV show than a movie or a better TV show than a book? No, 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 no. Like it's a wonderful book, but I was also, but I kept sitting here because in my brain, I was like, this is giving me, like, some serious Doctor Who vibes, except the main character, like, hates people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Which, I guess, depending on whatever Doctor you're talking about, but still. True that. Um, yeah. But, so, uh, yeah. I Yeah. But I just, but no, when I was reading the books, 
I just kept thinking of like how I was like, this is like super compelling. It's super fast paced. Um, but I, and I was like, and I feel like this would like transfer really well to the screen, but I don't know if it would transfer better as a TV show or as a movie, like a series of movies. Right. My only, uh, concern with uh, an adaptation would be with regards to I guess the main character's consciousness because mm-hmm. well I, I guess we need to talk about what these books are about okay for uh, our listeners who haven't read them okay so the main character who's murderbot um, is called is actually a sec unit and that's sec uh, unit for security. Yeah, for security. Um, and he... He... Sorry. Like, my, my brain just fried out. Um, okay, you're fine. And so, anyway, he is part of... He is a piece of equipment for a security company. Um... That, you know, like exploration teams and assessment teams and stuff like that will hire when they go to foreign planets for assignments or for assessments or for whatever. Um, Right. And generally the rule of thumb is per 10 people, you have one security unit. Um, So anyway, the, the team that he's with is fairly small, so he's the only one. But plot twist uh he has hacked into and disabled his governor module so that means that he is basically he makes decisions for himself um yeah he has agency yeah he exact thank you he has agency where the other sec units don't necessarily because the um the governor module is uh, uh i had like a good metaphor or a good comparison from a piece of pop culture but i can't remember exactly what essentially it's a it's a component of their design that forces them to comply with commands mm-hmm. or else it uh or it's a pen- it punishes them yes um because he talks about punishments kind of like like you know every once in a while throughout the series right uh and so I don't know at what point... Oh, well, anyway, so the team realizes that his governor module has been compromised and that he's just been following their orders anyway. Um, So anyway, they kind of decide that they can trust him. And, you know, things happen on the planet. This all all happens in the first book. This is all established in the first book, which is titled... all systems read all of the plot of all of the books yeah i wasn't planning on uh, it no sure um so anyway you know adventures happen they get off the planet and he goes he ends up getting on his going on his merry way right it is the uh continuing adventures of Murderbot from there on out Mm mm-hmm exactly Okay. But what made me but think, no. but what made me draw the Doctor Who comparison is I felt like up until we get to like the last, the fourth, the, the fourth, fifth and sixth books, um, it's like every 
it's like the books it's like he meets his companion okay sure you get you, you see what i'm saying yes okay right okay yeah i get that now um real quick i want to touch on one interesting thing that uh caught my attention you say murderbot is a he mm-hmm Murderbot is never explicitly gendered. No, Murderbot but, is not is never explicitly gendered. Yeah, but I do find I do find that interesting because, I guess, sort of implicitly, I always think of Murderbot as being coded female. Really? Yeah. So I I mean, and I guess you know, like strictly speaking, they're genderless. So yeah, it's, uh, and it never really even comes up from like a plot standpoint. There's no like. Romantic the only, tension between Murderbot and anybody, but the only time I think it's ever mentioned is um, during a conversation with Art in the second book. Okay. When well, um, they're, yes. they're doing modifications. I uh, yeah, I'll have to go back and check that one out because I'm not sure. I I'm not sure how in depth Martha Wells goes into like the physical description of of uh, Murderbot. Because they are humanoid. Like, yeah. they aren't, like, a steel robot. They are a blend of organic and inorganic mm-hmm. parts. Right. But uh, I just, I feel like that was interesting because it did seem like most for most of the books, you're getting that sort of vagary about that aspect. And it does take place, like, in the distant future where, like, uh, societal norms have sort of, like, allowed for a more fluid understanding of gender. Mm-hmm. So, um, you're seeing amongst the other characters as well, like a much more diverse cast, like group dynamics. You read all six books. Which one do you think you took with the most? Well, I mean, I feel like in a series, like I always, I always like latch on to the first one the most because that gives you like, you know, that gives you the basis for all your information that gives you the most description that gives you the most world building and that's what every you know that's what all the details for the 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 following books are based on um sure i also really liked like i loved art like i love art it's great um now now uh, for the listener art is a uh the uh intelligence computer on a spaceship that Murderbot winds up commandeering at one point on their adventures and is a recurring character later in the series. Mm-hmm. So, uh, ART standing for, um, what is the exact uh, abbreviation? <laughs> A-hole research transport. Research transport, yes. Well, that is not their official name. That is the name that Murderbot bequeaths to them. You do come to learn their uh, official designation in a later book in the series, but that is well past the point when any reader is thinking of the character as yeah. such. Yeah. Um, uh, one, oh. oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to throw out real quick, like with uh, the reappearance of art later in the series uh, thus far, one thing that sort of caught my eye or caught my mind as I was reading through those last few books, there does seem to be a disruption of the continuity in the publishing of the stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
that you I figure you probably caught up on with um, book four wrapping up like the first four books all operate in a pretty tight continuity mm-hmm. and then books five which is the first novel pretty explicitly is like in the event in the wake of all of the events of the first four books book six which is another novella which the first four books are also are uh apparently or from what hints i can glean takes place between the events of the first four books and the events of the novel mm-hmm. because it uh, without going into spoilers the novel ends with events being like forecasted and then those events are not addressed in the fit in the sixth book the sixth book if anything seems like a more direct follow-up to book four than book five does mm-hmm. but uh i forget how we got onto that and any rate um one of the first things we mentioned was the potential for adaptation, right? Yeah. Yeah, and now that we've sort of fleshed out the concept a bit, uh, what I was going to get into was the um, the nature of the character Murderbot being a highly like digitized consciousness. Mm-hmm. A lot of their interior monologue takes place over the course of like seconds of of real world time. Mm-hmm. Like, there's all these like uh, notes and narrative like descriptions about how certain thoughts or or events that take place on computers or between like artificial consciousness on ai consciousnesses are just taking place within the span of seconds you wonder how those kinds of exchanges would translate to like a uh, live action in real time adaptation of the story uh without just having like getting rid of that con- element of conceit where the characters can do these things there's that um the other thing that i thought would be that i kept like thinking in my mind and like questioning like well how would you like in you know if you were to adapt this how would you work around this is so much of the communication between characters is done through a feed which it yes. wasn't like apparent to me until fairly later in the series that like humans are able to like are are like have feeds or have these digital feeds like in their brain that they can like right. mentally see and read and stuff um yeah. and like draw impressions from so because so much communication happens through a digital feed that's not actually that's not always visual. Yes. Um, like part of my head, like in the or the question that I was wondering was, how would you portray that kind of communication? Would you just change everything to a verbal dialogue, or would you? I don't know. Or would you engage in like some abstraction of the online space? Right. Because that is essentially what we're talking about: is a uh, internet analog. Where characters are able to like, like communicate, look up information, engage with media and such. So, and that was another thing that I was just like, I don't know that I would appreciate that. Like, here, I need you to see this. Bam, it's in your brain. Oh, sure. There was this, um, I forget who posted it, 
but there was this TED talk I saw a while back that was constructed around the premise that 30 years into the future, like communications technology will advance to the point that humans are functionally telepathic. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just basically frames the technological progression 20 or 30 years from now against the arc that we've experienced in the past 20 to 30 years Mm -hmm. and it's just sort of a uh just sort of a thought exercise more than anything but it does sort of get into like generational relationships with technology yeah and about how like kids of the future will be have an entirely different relationship to that kind of communication can i just say uh, i'm not sure i'd be especially partial to that like much of a plug-in either yeah yeah can i just say something that i find unusual about the youths the youths the youths um because i see it happen like i see it with my you know i see it with my kids all the time and i saw it when i was working with like when i was working at a coffee shop and i was working with like younger people who were you know late teens and early 20s They will get on FaceTime and not look at the camera. Okay, like they'll just use FaceTime like a phone. Yeah, and like I get it for my 11-year-old because he doesn't have a phone. So like I I get that. So he like FaceTimes his friends and then uses that as a phone. And I get that. But like... But like my 18-year-old... Or or kids that I used to work with, they will they will call somebody on FaceTime, put the phone down so that the camera is looking at the ceiling. Oh. And then like talk well, to the person. Little, yeah, that's a little interesting. I wonder if like they're cognizant of stuff like data fees. I I don't know. I don't know. Because like yeah. in my head, I'm like, if you're gonna do FaceTime and like not look at the person. Why wouldn't you just call them? Huh. I don't know. That is interesting. I wasn't aware of that. That's just something that I've noticed. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But like they'll have it on FaceTime. They'll put the phone down. The camera will be looking up at the ceiling or something. And and they'll just talk to each other that way. And I'm like, why? Why don't you just call each other? Okay. Well, that's... uh... Sorry, yeah, I don't know. That's Sorry interesting. for that little no, that's tangent. Fun. That's cool. Yep. But, uh, yeah, so uh, I think it's um, safe to say we both really enjoyed the Murderbot books. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, appreciate you reading them all. I'm glad you were able to make it through them. Me too. I thoroughly enjoyed yeah, I, them. I, yeah, I didn't figure they'd be too much of a challenge because as far as like actual like reading time goes, I did say most of them were novellas and uh, I guess sort of give a uh, frame of reference i started reading the last book in the series uh i think around 9 p.m one night Mm -hmm. and i had it finished by two in the morning the the that night yeah so i i was easily able to finish one of those books in the span of like four hours yeah um and I would say it would it took me about the same amount of time to finish, especially the novellas. The novel obviously yes. was a little bit longer, but the sure. novellas I 
got I could get those knocked as long as I was you know if I was uninterrupted, um, right. I could knock those out in like three to four hours. Yeah, so uh, they're definitely accessible. I would yeah. Say. Okay. Well, um, uh, you about ready to talk word totals then? Yep. All right. Well, I'll go first because we have a bit of unfinished business to take care of. That we do. Uh, in our last episode, I had um, finished reading Game of Thrones and watching Game of Thrones, but I had not yet uh, found the word totals for that challenge. And uh, astute listeners will recall that at the time you uh, put forth the addendum that for watching the TV show alongside the book, I would earn a bonus of double the word length of the book itself. Yep. Yep. Well, I got that factored in. Uh, Red Game of Thrones. The word count for that book was 272,344 words. It is a long book, mm-hmm. which multiplied by two for watching the show comes out to 544,689 words. Mm-hmm. So take that with the uh, word total for network effect, which I placed at 118,300 words. Mm-hmm. Which um, I believe... Yeah, we both read the paperback book, but I think in terms of, like, page counting and such, mm-hmm. our word totals might not entirely match up. Uh-huh. But factoring that with the um, word total I found for the sixth book in the series, uh, Fugitive Telemetry, mm-hmm. at uh, 43,534 words, my current word total is uh, 2,291,848 words. Alrighty. So I have passed the 2 million mile mark. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, thank you. No cup for this one, but, uh, yeah, well, let's hear what you've got. Um, and I think, I, so, since I'm kind of, since I'm, like, I have put myself in charge of, like, the prizes, so what I kind of thought we would do is we would do, like, a one million word prize, and then we would hold off and do, like, a five million word prize. Okay, that sounds good. And then, you know, if either one of us gets to it, we'd do a ten million word prize. Well, all right, that'd be fun. And then, you know, whoever wins will get, like, a trophy. Sure. Or a hoodie or something. Yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Um, okay, so in so in the past two weeks, I've read five books that were not part of the challenge. And then I read yes. the six books that were that were a part of the challenge. And, right. Um... So that brings my word total for the past two weeks up to 691,116 words. Okay. Which brings my total word count to 3,803,198. Okay. Well, you are pulling ahead, but I am not out of the game yet. Nope. Uh, We are, I think, not officially because this is just the beginning of june but as far as episode count goes we are at the halfway point of this show for this year this is episode 13 Mm -hmm. i think we're looking at about 26 episodes yeah more or less so we're about the halfway point Mm -hmm. and uh 
what I figure is we'll probably do like one last episode at the very end of the year followed by like an episode or maybe not we'll just see I think but, we uh, I think at the end of the year we could do like a, a like a a year like a, a year in review and then looking forward to season two right okay so you want to do a season two I mean if you want to do a season two I mean I'm down all right I'm down all right so we'll uh be looking forward to that but for the moment we've got another challenge to issue yep and uh relating this back to my own experience i uh, recently had a bit of a shake-up at my local library with regards to some books i had checked out mm-hmm. apparently none of them had been overdue that long like none of them had more than like say 40 cents in late fines mm-hmm. but for some reason one of them had been marked as lost and so my library had charged me a full replacement fee for that book mm-hmm. but uh, once i got the book turned in the replacement fee was taken off and i was able to like check stuff out again mm-hmm. but uh what this got me cognizant of was the value of returning library books <laughs> within a prompt time frame uh-huh so elizabeth yeah. My challenge to you is to read one library book you have checked out. <laughs> okay. And return it. Okay. And uh, while you're at it, any other library books you can find are free game as well. Okay. And, uh,. I have a, a wrinkle to this challenge that I might want to discuss with you off mic because it's a bit, uh, well, I won't say salacious, but we'll get into it. Okay. But uh, that is your challenge for the next month is to get into a library state of mind. Sounds good. All right. Well, you have your marching orders and mm-hmm. that'll just about do it for us this week. Elizabeth, do you want to tell our listeners where they can find us? Yeah. Um... You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Your Words Podcast. And you can also find us uh, on our website at Your Words Co- Pat. Hold on. At YourWordsPodcast.com. That's right. And we look forward to hearing from you. Uh, it's been a good record. Hope you have a good week. And I look forward to seeing you next weekend. Yep. For some non book stuff, presumably. Yep. And uh, anyway, that'll do it. Sounds good. You know, I feel like I've been getting more confident in uh, closing these episodes out. And Uh I feel like that is kind of off-brand for us. That it is. 